Welcome to Whom, an Australian podcast focused on bringing creative names to light. At Whom, we ask the real questions. That would inform what question you would ask everyone, right? I was just thinking, like, do you like cheese? (laughs) We also make sure we touch on the real issues. Get away with anything if you've got enough money, enough rock. Yeah, what's currency to them? How many hairs you got in your mane? More hairs in my mane. (laughs) But one thing's for sure. Our guests promise to open up and tell you stories all about themselves that will send you on an emotional roller coaster. What sort of um, uh, spurred your original um, going after the being, becoming a doctor? Uh, that was probably more. I don't know if I should say societal expectations, but more like, uh, so my family, um, very highly educated. So my, my brother's a maxillofacial surgeon in Melbourne. Uh, well, he's actually the head of the department in Royal Melbourne. And, uh, my sister is a, um, very, again, highly qualified, uh, specialist obstetrician and gynecologist in Melbourne as well. Uh, so they're both very, very successful, um, very good at what they do. So, yeah, I suppose I felt this pressure to pursue a similar career pathway. They're a lot older than I am as well. I think the gap is seven years uh, between myself and my sister and six between myself and my brother. Mm. So by the time I got to grade eight, they were well and truly in medical school already. And sort of felt like I had my career path laid out for me. And there was no doubt... uh, uh, I don't want to use pressure, but I will for lack of a better word. But I think there was sort of like this expectation that I would follow a similar pathway uh, from my family. And not just my family, but everyone else who we knew. Family, friends, the comments would be, yeah, like, oh, your brother and sister are doing so well. Like, are you going to do it as well? And it's mm. a parental expectation. Yeah. yeah. Were your parents also in the medical field? No, no, they, they were not. But again, I think there's this cultural... Uh, Phenomenon that I've seen uh, to a less like to a less degree with my family, but definitely with other families as well, where uh, a lot of uh, migrant families who come over here they might accept a, a lesser standard of living and they work really really hard so their children can have a better life yeah. and pursue these uh, degrees and, and uh, careers where you might not necessarily be able to if they stayed stayed in their home country. Mm. So um, were you born over here? I was born in New Zealand. New Zealand, and uh, so that's so. My sister was born in, in in Sri Lanka, and then my parents moved to New Zealand, which is where my brother and I were born, and then we moved to Australia not long afterwards. Yeah, right. Yeah, awesome. So, are you now a triple citizen? I think I'm just Australian now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I lost. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. I never had Sri Lankan citizenship or a passport. Uh, I think I maybe briefly had a New Zealand one. I'm not sure how it works, to be honest, yeah. but I definitely don't have one now. Yeah, right. So I'm yeah. 100% Australian now. Awesome. <laughs> no idea how it works with us in New Zealand. Do we do dual citizenships? Or? I think if you're born there, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Because it's interchangeable, right? Like you, yeah. can go, you can travel between. But then are. things like with the, uh, the UK, even if you're a grand... Like my grandparents are in the UK. Mm. Um, that means I could be eligible for a UK passport. 
You can jump through all the loopholes. Yeah, the right. yeah so I heard something like that too. Have anything like that? I don't know. I like. I know a couple of my, uh, my friends in uni who were um, Sri Lankan Australian as well. They had dual, and or, or they found it really easy to get dual. Yeah. Um, but I don't go there too often anyway. I know a lot of countries have a requirement to become a citizen where you have to give up citizenship of all other countries. Mm. That's a bit harsh, isn't um, it? Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. It's about like loyalty to the country. I think America has something like that. And you know... That would make sense. Yeah, the UAE has that as well. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, <laughs> Dubai and all that. Gotta, yeah. gotta swear to the flag, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, so um, what year did you move from New Zealand to Australia? Uh, 98, I think. So we we did this little, little um, back and forth thing. So we moved to Australia in 98, went back to New Zealand to 90, in 99, and then we came back to Australia in 2000. And then I've been there since. I've been here since. Here since, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why'd you go back? Like, I actually don't know. No? This was like around the time where you just, like, I mean, what, I was five years old? Yeah. So... It's just sort of, you know, <laughs> tag along, tag along, yeah, and being dragged along. Yeah, that's right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so you moved to Australia, uh, and then you said year eight was sort of the year that you started to feel pressured into moving into medical side, like the medical side of things. Honestly, it was probably before that. Just, just uh, little bits and pieces. I think because my sister moved to Melbourne to start medical school, I think in two thousand and three. Uh, and then my brother followed suit shortly after in 2006, which was which coincided with me studying grade eight. And I, at that time, grade eight, so that's like 2006. So I was well and truly already into music by that point. Um, I had been playing the drums for two years. Um, and that's something that I'm very grateful for, uh, to my parents for, which is actually fostering that um, interest. So they bought me my first drum kit when I was in grade five. And, you know, I, I did the Estedfords. I was in the school bands and the orchestras and everything and just did it in my spare time. And I just loved it. And for some reason or other, and I think it probably does come back to just feeling a bit of pressure and just having an expectation. You know, I, I was told by a lot of people that you can't really pursue a career in the arts, whether it's music or acting or performing to any degree. Uh, back then, it was just music that I was interested in. It was just I, I actually wanted to be a drummer in a, in a band. That's that was my career aspiration, and I was just told from multiple different angles that it wasn't it wasn't a good idea. Is that purely because of your heritage? Funnily enough, no. Like there there was that too, because yeah. you know Sri Lankan people don't become musicians. They 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 do. They're either doctors, lawyers, engineers, and a lot of. Uh, if you speak to another Sri Lankan Indian person, they will often quote those three careers as well as the general expectation. Uh, but also just friends as well, just yeah. saying like, it's it's impossible to become a like a, a qualified drummer who does that for a career. And if you do, it's short-lived and then you have to find another job anyway. It's very hard to get into a successfully paid band. Yeah. That's what I noticed. It's the same as acting. It's very hard to get into Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, you know, 2%. Mm. And, you know, we, we can cycle back to this later if you like, but um, I'm still really grateful in a weird way for having a medical career because I get acting work now and now and then, and I have been for the last two years, but it's still not enough to live off. So yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a great backup career that I've got um, and just a, like a, as a survival job to pay the bills and everything while I do pursue an acting career. So, yeah. Yeah, so after you left school, uh, was it pretty quick that... 
you made the decision that you wanted to become a doctor or you wanted to pursue that? After leaving school? Yeah. Well, it would have been... It was well before. Can I actually cycle back? Because, yeah, sure. Because, I mean, grade eight was when it was sort of that fork in the road of what I wanted to do. And I was... I actually auditioned for... The, our school had a music specialisation class in grade eight. Yep. So you'd audition for it before the year started. And if you were successful, you got into this specific different different pathway to the rest of the kids where you'd have an, like an extra music block, uh, which would be with all of those kids who auditioned for that class and were successful and you'd have a real focus on music and you had to drop like something else like, I don't know, home ec or something like that, mm. um, which was awesome. And that fostered, again, that interest of mine and I realized how much I actually like music theory and everything. Uh, and then there was an opportunity to... Oh, this is all coming back to me now. <laughs> there was an opportunity in uh, after grade eight to continue down that pathway, to continue down that music specialization pathway. And then I remember, again, feeling like I was letting people down by continuing on in that. So I dropped it to the extreme disappointment of my music teachers because uh, they really did see something there. And then I decided to go down like the maths and science and that, that, that side of things. Do you regret it? I do. Hmm. One of my single biggest regrets is not continuing with the drums and music. Uh, because I, like even today when I'm in a new rehearsal for another musical, I just think how much quicker this would be if I had stuck with that music pathway and really learned the theory and learned to play piano and learned how to compose and all of those skills which are just so useful. Um, I've still been able to, I don't want to say get by, like still do well uh, just with the knowledge that I do have and the interest that I have in it but definitely would have loved, loved to stick around and really upskill playing the drums because a lot of my um, tutors and colleagues just said, you know, if you stick with this you could actually go somewhere. And, well, I didn't... <laughs> Your parents didn't take too nicely to that? Like, did they, were they part of the reason you dropped it? Yeah, probably. But I just don't ever remember them saying, no, don't do it. Yeah, right. I think I just felt like I had to drop it. Like self, self-doubt. self Yeah. Like, yeah, you thought you were disappointing your parents? Or? I did, I did. And I, and I felt that I could impress them or satisfy them if I went down that scientific or medical pathway. Yeah. And yeah, that sort of decision, and this is one of the things I quite resent about a career in medicine or, or science, is that you need to plan things out so far in advance. And I just, like now, I, I don't really do that, which is great. I love that. Um, but from, early as, from as early as year nine, you have to plan out what subjects you're going to do to set yourself up for success, to do well in year 12 so that you can get into an undergraduate medical program afterwards. Yeah. So that's where the, that's really where the fork split. But funnily enough, uh, I, I thought I had committed to that science road, um, and then it was grade ten where one of my friends who was very much in that musical theatre world and doing the school musicals, and he said, you know, you just got to audition for it because you'd be so good in it and you'd love it. And I was like, no. I back then I was like, musicals are. Uh, I used a word that wasn't very pleasant, <laughs> which I'm not going to say. Um, yeah. And I was so against it, but he really just pressured me into doing it. And it was hands down the most fun I've ever had up until that point. 
and just being on a stage and being in an ensemble and being able to sing and dance and all that stuff I was just like wow this is what I want to do and that probably kicked off a little spark for me what was that role? Uh, it was her it was the, in the musical Godspell and I think I was playing Noah who had one line and otherwise he was in the ensemble and but that's how I knew like I know a lot of people uh, at that stage they wouldn't really want to do it if they didn't have like a decent role but I and this hasn't changed in the last what is it 14 years I just love the rehearsal process so though that three times a week rehearsing after school on the weekend getting things together and getting a show together I enjoy that just as much as being on stage and mm. that's how I know I, I it it kicked off this little thought in my head of oh like I reckon this would be such a cool career because it's not just the the performance and the applause and the adoration that I love which everyone loves you know I'm not going to deny it I actually enjoy the process just as much yep. uh, and so I did it again in grade 11 which was high school musical the musical oh, great. and so I got a more <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's get all the laughs out <laughs> so what did you play in that, in that I played Chad okay yeah. so yeah Troy's best friend and so it was a bit more of a decent role uh, I got uh, not a solo song but I got some solo singing lines and a lot more dialogue and getting to step up and having the ability to step up and play a more substantial role uh, again it just made me realise that that's, that's what I wanted to do yeah. and well I just thought I want to do this for, for a living but came to grade 12 mm. and that's when you really need to yeah you can't drop the ball you can't drop the ball and I was doing the um, suicide six as it was called back in the day uh, yep. biology chemistry physics maths B maths C English and wow. we had that as well yeah yeah <laughs> and school suicide six. there was really no time for anything else and that year I remember getting told oh you know you shouldn't really prioritise other things other than your your coursework was that your parents that told you that? Your parents, yeah. family. And yeah. Yeah, everyone. yeah, yeah. So by the end of year 12, you kind of had been um, moved away from the theatre and yeah. musical side. Of yeah, so. yeah, that's right. And um, it, it was sad, I remember, because I saw these uh, students in grade eight who, were, who had stuck to that music pathway, the music specialisation pathway. And... I could just see them getting better and better, and I remember feeling oh, I've I've, I'm, I've been overtaken <laughs> in terms of my like percussion ability. Yeah, and uh, well, that was a sort of like another self sabotage moment of oh well, there's no point now because I'm already behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you know, I was doing well in court in in school, and they didn't give me any sense of satisfaction at all. I get my report card, and every term it'd have you know six A's on it or whatever and I'd just be like eh. yeah yeah show it to my parents and my family and they'd be like oh great job but there's you yeah. didn't feel it there was nothing in here you know nothing. you weren't happy no yeah. no did you find it easy to to For, do well to do well to get the- no no and I remember thinking like I I'm trying to think how to word this again without coming across like a douche <laughs> Let me put it a different way. Let me let me try and rephrase this in my head. If I put the same amount of effort in as I did into my schoolwork... No, let me start again. <laughs> if I put the same amount of effort as I did... Uh, sorry, if I put the same amount of effort into music and performing as I did with my schoolwork at the time, 
I think I would have done like performed a lot a lot better in terms of achievement yeah like I did do very well in those subjects and everything but I had to work a lot harder to do well if that makes sense yeah. because yeah. none of it really came naturally to me yeah. and I didn't love it exactly yeah. whereas even now when I do shows whether it's picking up harmonies or learning a new song learning lines like it just comes and I still have to work really hard but I enjoy it and it just feels like it comes naturally to you me more satisfaction out of it yeah, yeah. it's a That's lot easier right. to work hard when you like what you're doing absolutely absolutely and if I can just fast forward a little bit now to today I have zero time for anyone and I feel really guilty about that like I I barely see my friends anymore uh, you know my girlfriend and I barely get to go on dates these days um, I used to see my family at least once a month down in Melbourne but I just haven't been really I've, I've been once this year so a lot of people tell me you are a lot busier than you were when you were working as a doctor and I am I actually have less time and I'm, I'm a lot more stressed yeah but I love it so so it's good stress yeah, yeah. That's similar to me. Um, we haven't we go on dates when we can, sure yeah. not, but um, I work sales full time. Yeah. So nine to five, if not longer, every day, um, and then creative business. Yeah. Pretty much every night. So it's hard. Unfortunately, yeah, and, and that's a, a, a dilemma that I've run into as well. Um, you know, having thrown myself into the performing world, is, yeah, because we all need these survival jobs, right? These nine to fives. So I can't think of any other well many other careers where you have like you're doing what you want to do but then you have to do this other job on the side yeah which takes up all your other free time so where does that leave you <laughs> it just doesn't pay much no the creative industry just unfortunately not unless you're a movie star that's right yeah in which case you can do you can spend you can have no time for anyone else for six months yeah, yeah. and then you can take a six month holiday yeah. that's right take everyone you know like all your loved ones <laughs> in a private jet like. yeah yeah and this this might be a little ambitious but that 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 what you've described there Ben is is that's what true. I'm working towards like that's it, it could be too ambitious but I'm like you know I'll get there and then I'll have time for everyone else yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> I'll put in 100% of my time that's right now, yeah so that in 10 years time five yeah. maybe maybe more maybe less who knows who knows exactly um, yeah but, but I, I find that really interesting the fact that I'm I'm more than willing to see that as my goal and work towards it but this other goal of setting aside five years of my life to train in a medical specialty which does have more of a guaranteed outcome yeah. I, I saw that as impossible and, yeah. and pulled out of it and that that just tells me that, that this is what I want to do mm. you know what I mean yeah yeah so touching like, on I guess the doctor part of it a bit so you left you, after you graduated you went straight into uni yeah for medical science that's oh that's it. so I went into an undergraduate program which they have very few of these days yeah. so the undergraduate medical degree is called a bachelor of medicine uh, bachelor of surgery so it's sort of like a dual degree because you learn both um, which is usually five or six years yeah. in contrast to what you can do now which is a doctor of medicine and they've done that to align with how they do things in the United States which is a four year postgraduate degree um, back at back when I was in high school doing, doing an undergraduate just seemed more um, appealing because you don't have to uh, you know when, once you get into that undergraduate medical degree it's sort of like the stress is gone which sounds ridiculous because there was a lot of stress in that degree, but it just meant that you didn't have another degree to do really well in before you got into medicine. Yeah. 
which is how they do things now most of the time um so yeah what i did is um a six-year degree that was up in townsville at james cook university Uh, but then i took a year off after my fourth year to do a bachelor of medical science honors degree which is like a one-year research intensive where you learn research methods and how to conduct a clinical study um so yeah i think that was that's called bachelor of medical science honors and so it was like a gap year but it wasn't really because i was still doing work (laughs) so you took a year off uni to do for, for another uni correct yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but but what I will say is because that was more of like a um, work at your own pace sort of degree rather than having to physically be somewhere every day I did take that opportunity uh, of being in Melbourne to try and pursue more artistic right. endeavours so I joined a, a dance group called uh, June Bollywood I'm just going to name drop them there because they're fantastic uh, they're down in Melbourne and they yeah they do um, Bollywood performances for both private and public gigs and that was hands down one of the coolest things I've ever done and um, I got to perform at the International Cricket uh, Cricket World Cup opening ceremony in 2015 yeah so that was like televised on like internationally uh, and then I got to do things like the Good Friday Appeal down there um, all sorts of private bougie gigs for rich people on rooftops and stuff like that (laughs) and that was the first time where I was like wow I'm getting paid for this and like it doesn't feel like work I'm just having fun Yeah. and then that again it was like another little rung in the ladder that was like maybe I need to do this but you still put it to the back I did I did after I finished that year went back to North Queensland to finish my medical degree and then it just sort of went out the window again Mm. unfortunately yeah yeah, so you finished up with, so that makes it seven years. Seven years altogether, that's yeah. correct. And then the extra six months of the Well, uh, more than specialty. that, more than that. So after I finished the uh, medical degree, uh, I applied to do my internship in Brisbane. Yeah. Uh, that's just where I've always wanted to live. My family were all down in Melbourne. Uh, most of them were down in Melbourne at that point, but having grown up in Toowoomba, we'd always come down to Brisbane. I just saw it as like paradise, and I still do. I love it here. Um, so I just always saw myself living here. So I applied to do my internship at the Royal Brisbane, yeah. uh, which is just sort of like a ballot. You just put your name down and then they literally pick names out of a hat <laughs> to see what you get in. <laughs> and I was lucky enough to get in. Um, so your internship, um, for those who don't know, is a one-year sort of training program where you rotate. You're not a fully... Well, you're not a, you sort of have provisional registration with the medical governing board and you need to complete that internship to be able to go on and then specialize after that. So that internship consists of four or five terms uh, throughout the hospital and it usually consists of general things like a general medical term in the hospital, um, emergency medicine uh, at any of the big emergency units uh, in the Queensland hospitals um, and a surgical term and then the other two are usually something of your choice. Uh, so you get a chance to sample a bit of everything and <laughs> I, I, after that year I was like yeah I don't really enjoy any of this <laughs> so uh, there was a time when I thought I wanted to do general practice um, because it's a it's out of the hospital there's this uh, I'm not going to say misconception but I think uh, it's a bit exaggerated how much spare time that you can get as a GP. It's still a very grueling career and a lot of people say that it's got a great work-life balance and it does in comparison to a lot of the other medical specialties but it's still the kind of job where you have a lot of stress that you're taking home with you and it is very difficult. Well, I saw it as very difficult to balance 
a potential other career like I wanted to do at the time. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it just comes while, while it's not necessarily in the hospital, it just comes with a lot of other stresses that I didn't see myself dealing with very well. Um, but a lot of people are able to and kudos to them because we need them. Um, so yeah, like I was saying to you guys before, um, I slowly cross things off the list. So I realized surgery pretty much takes signs your life or you have to sign your life away. Uh, because a lot of over time, uh, you basically have to live in the hospital and when you're trying to get onto that training program, there's so much that you need to do behind the scenes. So for a lot of medical careers, I think what a lot of people don't get is that you have to work, you have to work your ass off during the day. Like you need to be at hospital most of the day. Uh, and then after that, you need to be studying uh, in your spare time. And when you're not studying, you need to be boosting your CV. So that's doing things like masters and PhDs and uh, yeah, public, publishing more research and writing books and all these things. Because if you're not doing that, you don't really have a competitive CV. So when I saw all of my colleagues doing that and I knew deep down that I, it's not really where I wanted to be and I wanted to put, use my spare time to do something else, none of those training pathways seemed appealing to me. So psychiatry just seemed like... I chose psychiatry because the bread and butter of what it was, which was talking to people, I enjoyed. I didn't really like getting my hands dirty in the operating theatre. I didn't like uh, a lot of procedural stuff. So the bread and butter of psychiatry is is talking and uh, establishing good relationships with people and counselling. And, you know, my supervisors commended me on that. I wouldn't say I... I, I did enjoy it to a degree because I just... I do like talking to people, but... Again, that career came with a lot of other stresses that I didn't anticipate, uh, including taking work home with you. And then, like I was saying before, there's a lot of stuff that you need to do outside of your rostered work time that you need to be doing to make your application or your CV more competitive. Yeah. So when I could see that, so I got into the training program, spent six months there, witnessed firsthand what I had to do to be successful and then also saw what the end of the road looked like for my bosses and I didn't want any of it so yeah six months is all I lasted in that Hmm. Um, and it it did I remember at that six month mark it was probably well I quit after six months but it was probably around four to five months where I thought this I, I need to get I need to get out and it was the most terrifying time of my life because I had so many people telling me you've got to really lucrative stable career pathway that will make you lots of money and you'll be very comfortable and you'll be able to buy a house and do all these things um but what's what's the point if you're not happy absolutely and i wasn't and i could just my health physical and mental was just declining i could feel it i could feel like particularly compared to right now today was i felt like a different person back then and i'm so glad I, i decided to leave like i thank my lucky stars every day for whatever gave me the courage to go ahead and do that what would you say if other people in your situation not doctorate or doctor but in a profession where they're not happy but they feel like they're stuck what advice would you give them to get out of that and focus on what they're passionate about i would say don't be afraid to speak up to to, uh, speak up about it but i think you just need to be careful about who you speak to and know who has your best interests at heart. Because if you don't, you can run the risk of people telling you to stick with it. Because again, 
sorry, I know you said non-doctors, but just because that's the experience that I've had. Within the field, when you're in there, you don't have a lot of people encouraging you to get out because because of the reasons I alluded to earlier. It's stable and it's, you know, you're going to have a guaranteed income. You're going to have a guaranteed job. That's what everyone tells you. It's great for job security. Everyone's going to need doctors. So everyone tells you to stick with it. Um, And to an extent... That is good advice. I think there are people out there who do want, are, are determined to, to become doctors or whatever career it is that they want to pursue. And they just need that extra sort of kick or push to stay in it because times get tough. And I'm not saying everyone should be like me and just leave when things get tough because I genuinely believe I had to leave for a different reason, which is that I wasn't meant to be there and I was meant to be somewhere else. Mm. I'm not super spiritual, but... I genuinely believe that. And the last two years have really shown me that that was the right thing to do. But just uh, going back to what I was saying before, um, I think it's just important to talk to people who know you really well. Because let's say that you did want to become a doctor and that was your passion. Sometimes you just need that motivation, support and encouragement to stay there, find you know alternative options to get you through, um, for people to make you realize that's what you really want to do. Whereas if you deep down, if there's something that you wanted, that you know that you wanted to do, you want to do in your life, uh, like me, and there's something in the way, like I think you just, uh, you really just sit down and think about like whether that career that you're in or that situation that you're in is going to be able to facilitate that. Um, for me, I think. At the time, I spoke to a lot of people and I got mixed answers. So I got people saying that, you know, you, you shouldn't leave. You're on the training program. You should just stick with it. Um, but then I spoke to other people who I trusted. And that included my family members, I think, who saw, who really saw what was going on. And like they encouraged me to just take a risk as well. Um, so that's why I say just, I think, know, know who your support circle is. Um, and just trust in that. But above all, you know yourself better than anyone else does. So I, I remember at the time still thinking, um, oh, maybe these people who are telling me to stick with it are right. Because maybe there, there, there is this, and uh, this happens to a lot of doctors, just feeling you feel quite weak and embarrassed and ashamed for feeling, like, feeling that way, to feel, to, um, feeling like you want to drop out and run away and quit. Um, but I think you need to accept that that's okay and everyone feels like that but for me there was a deeper reason why and it's just because I saw myself doing something else yeah. but I was too scared didn't have the courage to do it alright that's a good answer <laughs> awesome. hopefully yeah helps people out yeah so um, you ended up launching into the performing arts industry in 2020 yeah uh, really good time it's a great year yeah I chose the best <laughs> year to do it in. I tell everyone this <laughs> yeah. um, but funnily enough it was one, another one of those, those experiences that showed me like you know only an idiot would do this like try to make it big in the arts industry in the year when it's literally getting destroyed um, but if I can just tack on to just the end of that last question that you that you asked about you know, in terms of what I would say to people who, who, you know, want to do something similar to what I did. It's not like I just quit my job and threw myself into the uh, performing world in terms of like career-wise and everything because 
that's obviously very dangerous and, and risky. Yeah. And yeah, I was unhappy what I was doing, uh, you know, but things like financial stress and, you know, having to pay rent, obviously that's on another level. And I put in measures to make sure that I didn't have to worry about that. So just to clear up my response from before, I think you've got to play it safe. Like not play it safe. That's probably the right thing to say. Just be a little bit practical and smart about what you're doing. So yes, I quit my job at the hospital, uh, which freed up a lot of time. But before I quit my job, I made sure I had something else lined up. So I found this really, really awesome job with an awesome boss that I'll, that I'll never forget. Um, sort of doing like, uh, it was like at a health assessment center for visas, um, just in the city. And that was very stable Monday to Friday work from like eight to four or nine to five or whatever it was, which is pretty much unheard of in the medical world. So this was just through me scrolling through seek.com and indeed and Jora and all that stuff in our, in our lectures. Um, cause every Wednesday morning, uh, in the psych training program, you have lectures and I was not paying attention. I was just on seek and I, I found this job and it just said, all you need is a medical degree uh, and you need to have done your general general registration. So the first year of internship and all of the, you know, the job description was like stable hours, never work another day of overtime in your life. No weekend work. Um, never take home any stress with you, all that stuff. And I was like, oh, that sounds too good to be true. And so I, I just applied for it and interviewed for it and I got it and lined that up to, you know, start when I quit the other one. And so that was sort of like a little test. So, um, you know, I like to um, talk big about how I, you know, I took a huge risk and threw myself in the arts. It's not entirely true. I did, I did put in, um, you know, your uh, safeguards to make sure that I had another backup there and that was a great backup um, and it, again it was enough to for me to live really comfortably and also pursue things outside so that was just four days a week that I was able to do and then um, because I, I knew that I had evenings free and weekends free I was able to audition for things like Sleeping Beauty yeah. um, which was my first uh, production um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that just yeah. just so as to I don't want to encourage people to just you know throw in the towel and just throw themselves in there. Like just be a bit smart about it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, now that you've mentioned um, your your first role, let's let's talk a bit about your uh, early work. I guess. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so I remember it very distinctly. I was still working as a psychiatry trainee when I knew that I had this new job lined up that was going to afford me the additional hours and flexibility of being able to do this stuff on the side. So I, <laughs> like a complete amateur, just went to Google and I typed in Brisbane Theatre Auditions because I thought that's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> and the first one that it comes up with is, is Brisbane Arts Theatre. Um, and one of the productions they're auditioning for was Sleeping Beauty, so the children's, children's theatre. So... I was like terrified because here is this guy and who has no experience apart from high school. He hasn't sung or danced really except for that gap year since 2009. Uh, I was like, should I do it? But then I was like, no, I, I, I'm, I'm doing it. So I may as well go all out. You know, I quit my job. I found a more stable career that would allow me to do it. So let's just audition for it. And I remember getting there and filling out the form and it's like please list who you'd like to audition for and it listed all the principal characters and I remember writing down I just want to be involved I just want to be on stage I haven't done this in ages so like more than happy to be in the ensemble 
Um, and so I handed in the form and then I, you know, I got there, I sang my song and I did the little dance call and they're like, oh, you didn't put down a lead to read for. And I was like, oh, that's okay. I just more than happy to just be in the background. Like I, I just, I'm, I'm just getting back into this. And they're like, just, just pick someone. And I was like, no, like I just want to be in the background. And they're like, fine, just read for the prince. And I was like, okay. And so, <laughs> yeah, well, I read for the prince and then a week later I got the phone call saying that I'd gotten the role of the prince. Yeah, right. And um, if there's a theme to today's little chat, it's that there have been so many signs along the way that this is something I was meant to do and this is something that I should be doing. And that was one of them. And everyone around me was like, wow, you've auditioned for your first show. Um, and yeah, look, it was community theatre and everything. But again, I just thought I have zero experience. So I was more than happy to really start from the bottom and go up. So getting cast as the like as a lead in my in the very first thing that I auditioned for outside of high school was a really good sign. Yeah. And weirdly gave me the confidence to audition for leads <laughs> from that point onwards. <laughs> yeah. I bet it would, yeah. And now you just audition for just leads. <laughs> It's like, yeah, walk, no into, more <laughs> walk into an extras audition and get the lead in a Hollywood film. <laughs> well, that hasn't happened yet, but hopefully, hopefully that there's a pattern here. <laughs> so is it more theatre that you're aiming for, or do you want to get into the movie scene and TV scene? As of very recently, I've realised that I think I want to lean more towards film. Yeah. I think... I don't know if I... I it changes. Honestly, I wake up... And I'll decide I want to be on Broadway. And then the next day I'll wake up and, you know, realise I want to be on TV or film. And it's... I don't know. I'm filming a, um, a feature at the moment, which I can't actually talk about because they told me not to. Um, <laughs> but the media release is this weekend, so hopefully I can <laughs> post about it later. <laughs> yeah, I um, mean, this... We're not getting a release for a while, so this... Oh, okay. We can talk about it. Yeah, great. Okay. This won't be for another month. Excellent. Right, well, in that case. <laughs> uh, I know it feels weird. But it does feel weird. Yeah, yeah. This doesn't air for what? Uh, four, five, four or five weeks. Four or five weeks? Yeah. Amazing. So, right, in so that case. Tell us all about it. Yeah, sure. So I, a um, couple of weeks ago, received some awesome news that I was cast in a uh, romantic comedy called Love by the Glass, uh, which is shooting, well, it shot uh, in the southeast Queensland region, uh, but it's set in Santa Barbara. Uh, in, um, in the United States so I get to play the the cool best friend who I'm sort of only in the film at the beginning and the very end but he, he uh, the character sort of comes in and saves the day at the end and um, helps everyone out so it's a cool role to play and I only was really required on set for about five days but um, this was my first proper paid film gig which was super exciting and just to answer your question again about whether I want to, you know, be in film or, or, or theatre, I haven't... I've done a couple of paid theatre gigs, um, but I think in terms of, like, the again, linking back to what my mentor told me in, in, in med school about bread and butter of your nine-to-five, just being on set and that whole experience of getting to go, travel to different places and and, you know just delivering lines in front of a camera and doing scenes over and over again and doing takes and bloopers and all that stuff just the entire experience again I just love it and you know film has its downsides as well there's a lot of stopping and starting and holding for birds and planes and you know you you think you're ready to go for the scene you've got all the emotion ready and then they're like cut hold for aeroplane 
hold for birds you know and then you're like oh <laughs> fuck <laughs> and then you, you do the next take and you're like oh that wasn't as good as I thought it would be but I don't know I just thrive in that environment I really really love it sometimes it's the ones that you don't think are good that are the best though that's true that's yeah. true I've done takes um, in a couple of student films before this as well which I will talk about and I've just thought it was the worst job I've ever done and then I watched it back well, well, at the time, the director's like, great, cut, on to the next one. And I was like, oh, no, can we please do it again? And they're like, no, we can't. Not enough time, we've got to move on. And then we watch it back in post, and it's like, oh, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, I guess, that's your vision of yourself. Yeah, in which, which is not, not great. Well, yeah, exactly right. Like, if we, you know, people who have a high vision of themselves, I think, I don't know if that's a positive trait to have. No. I probably have a too negative vision of myself, but it helps me work harder. Yeah. Yeah, well, me too. And I think that it's it's amplified from being a doctor as well. Yeah. Um, it, we find the same phenomenon in the medical world is there, there are people who... And I was, in fact, working with one, and I'm not going to name names, but, uh, he, you know, first day being an intern, he um, he sort of... I was just going to make it really obvious who it is now. <laughs> anyway, maybe we can cut that bit out. But I was working with this guy in internship, and he was super confident in his ability... Um, and then I later found out that first week that he had never put a cannula in in his like entire life as in in med school at all whereas we get to start doing that in our first year yeah. so it was just this false sense of confidence and he was not great oh, yeah. <laughs> so I think yeah that just speaks to what you said I think like if you think you're doing really well and you think you're doing a great job it can sometimes be detrimental yeah 100% um, so yeah that was a long-winded way to answer your question, but this year I've, I've weirdly, um, you know, I wanted to do more film because uh, last year was a lot of theatre and 2020 was a lot of theatre as well. And I sort of only got to do like TVCs here and there, um, some minor film stuff for like, like not, not full-blown commercials, but promotional stuff for companies. Uh, and I was like, oh, I really like this experience. So at the beginning of this year my agent said you need to get more credits and beef up your show reel and your CV and everything so I auditioned for a couple of short films um, so I've done three this year and then I've done two feature films this year as well so um, and, and and from those experiences I think it's probably where I want to end up there's just something about it and it's really hard for me to explain I'm probably babbling like an idiot but um from every step of the process in the filmmaking world, I just enjoy immensely. Hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of people, including myself, who can sort of empathise with that. Yeah, yeah. But that said, like I've I've um, I've got a, a really cool gig at uh, uh, it's a collaboration between QPAC and the Brisbane Festival in November. It's a workshop for a new musical that I probably won't be able to talk about because <laughs> I think it'll still be under wraps in about four weeks time we'll find out <laughs> but um, again like I'm not going to turn that down because yeah. it's an awesome opportunity to work with like a really cool director and and um, you know do some professional theatre stuff which could eventuate into a proper full blown musical so now that you're in deep into the creative industry we ask a few people this what mm. would you say to people who are stuck in the whole exposure acting scene that take roles for exposure and not value themselves enough to go for the high paid roles it's a great question um, I as long as it doesn't conflict with anything like any of your values or beliefs that like you really feel is 
you know, it, it all depends on the project, I think. Like, because things that are confront confrontational, I think, are good, provided that they are done for a reason. And I feel this way about, you know, thing uh, like you know, violence and and nudity and sex and all that stuff. If it's just there for shock value, it's not. If it doesn't serve a purpose, I just think that is exploitation a little bit. Whereas, you know, if it's done to serve a purpose and it services the artwork then I think it's fine. And like, like as I always tell people as, as a joke, that there's very little I would, uh, I would say no to in, in the industry. Like if, if it served the right purpose, because I think like, that's, that's what, that's what I really like about art in terms of film and theater and, and, and music and everything is that you can, I, I read this really good quote somewhere. It was in either a book or an article that said like, it shines a mirror. Like people go to artwork, not to look at a mirror of themselves, but sort of like a, a more twisted or darker version of something that they're not necessarily used to seeing because that's sort of like the harsh nature of the world um, is that it, there are these sort of darker parts that sometimes if, if you're lucky you're not exposed to and I think it's good to shine a light on them because then we have more awareness about certain things and it's happening a lot more than it certainly used to yeah. um, so if, if that makes sense I think there are like roles like that for exposure I mean like because I, I think you're probably asking the sense of like just doing something um, not to expose yourself, but doing a, a role where you're not getting paid. Ah, I do. Right. Like, I was letting you answer the question because you took a different twist on it. And yeah. I liked your twist on it. But how? What advice would you give to someone who is applying for job after job, yeah. theater after theater, getting all these casted roles, yeah. but never once getting paid? Yeah. This is this is actually now that I've understood your question properly. <laughs> I'm really glad you've asked this because this is something that I've only had to deal with uh, this year and particularly in the last couple of months um, I am immensely burnt out today like yeah. and I have been every day for like the last couple of months and it's because of that exact reason I have a fear of saying no to gigs because my past experiences have shown me that every time I say yes to something it gives me another opportunity and it doesn't matter if it's not a direct opportunity but it might be that someone's seen me and then they offer me a role in another production and so I go back and think well look I didn't get paid for that but it gave me some more work which has led to something else I firmly believe that I wouldn't have gotten here today if I didn't say yes to everything but take that with a grain of salt because it has seriously led to uh, a lot of really like down and dark days for me um, and it just goes back to what I was telling you before about not having time for myself not having time to see friends and family so that's that support circle that I was telling you about um, not having time to spend with my partner and so there have been days where um, and this is this is a regular thing I'm just going to give you a snapshot into what some of my days like so wake up go to the gym if I'm lucky and, and have woken up early enough this is after coming back from a rehearsal that finishes at 10 slash 10.30 and I only get home at like 11.30 midnight. So getting six hours of sleep every night is not a good idea for anyone. It doesn't matter how you feel. It's biologically not good. Um, so yeah, waking up, trying to get to the gym, um, working a full day from because uh, whatever, seven, eight or nine until three, four, five. And then driving to rehearsal which is down in the Gold Coast for me lately. And then, yeah, then coming back home late. So there's no time. And that's three times a week. And then there would be days where if it wasn't work, it would be a full day of filming or a full week of filming for those short films I was telling you about, followed by a night of rehearsal. 
And then for the last couple of months, I've been doing a murder mystery as well, which yeah. is on every Thursday and Friday night. And it's only sort of dwindling down now because it's closing. But that was every Thursday and Friday night that I was losing. And that took a toll. Was that like a show? Yeah, it was a show. Yeah, yeah. it was a show. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, awesome show. And yeah. it's one of the best things I've ever done. And it was paid as well. So yeah, right. I couldn't say no to that. Um, but just to lay out my week and when I show people my calendar they think I'm crazy um, back when I was working full time because I only dropped my hours down two weeks ago that was Monday to Friday of um, a 40 hour week with uh, rehearsals from 6.30 till 10pm in the Gold Coast on Tuesdays and Thursdays but on Thursdays I also had that murder mystery two shows a night from um, 4 p.m. until 10 p.m. That was on Friday as well. I had a full day of rehearsal on Sunday from 12 to 8 p.m. And then on Saturday, there'd usually be some some gig, which is why, Ben, I had to turn you down yeah, no, so many times. Yeah. Um, so that was what my week was like, and it has been that way, and it's only starting to get better now. And you finally got some free time in which you decided to now be busy. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I know, it's... it's uh, yeah, I'm a victim of my own circumstances. Um, you know, I, uh, this, I, is my, this is my first Saturday off, and I was like, oh, oh man. great day to do the podcast, you know what I mean? Um, but I also love it. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really fine line. So I, um, and I hope you don't mind me talking about this, like I, it's something that I've had to speak to my psychologist about a couple of times, and she said you're doing way too much. <laughs> like, she gave me such a good... Sorry, you were going to oh, say... No, no, no. So, constructing on that, you're doing a lot, but is it also making you more happy than if you didn't do a lot? See, and this is where I want to bring it back to your original question. I think now, um, on the advice of my psychologist and my, my support circle, I've been encouraged over and over again to be really selective about what I say yes to. Um, because... I think now it, when I'm doing things and not getting paid for it and I could be using that spare time to just recover and recuperate and rejuvenate, I think that's when you need to stop and take, take it back and say, should I, should I actually turn this down? So, and I have put that into practice. So I, I am getting better. Ben. <laughs> I um, have been asked in the last couple of months to pick up two separate... Uh, unpaid gigs starting in January and February next year and I actually said and, and funnily enough like my schedule's empty I don't have anything planned there but I actually said to them um, well if I can actually elaborate on this a little bit more I've actually developed like a set of questions now that I ask people if they uh, re- regarding a gig so I ask things like is it paid and like very clearly about whether it's paid and how is it paid because some people say profit share and then you get you get There's to no it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think being really clear about that as well. And then how much stuff's required behind the scenes because, you know, I've been in awesome productions where everyone's got clear responsibilities. I did an awesome, awesome show with um, Observatory Theatre. Um, I just want to name drop them there because the experience I had with them was phenomenal. You know, they hired intimacy coaches. They hired fight coaches. They did everything the proper way. The producer covered all of the marketing. So we all we had to do as actors is go into rehearsal and do our job and go home and then obviously perform the shows as well. And that's all we had to do. Yeah. And when you have very little time on your hands, it's very hard to take on these additional responsibilities. Even things like Tech Week, I think with um, community theatre productions, because it's a, a huge collaborative effort, uh, everyone sort of chips in and does that. Whereas with my schedule, I was, uh, like, we, like I would find it very hard to fit all that in because it means, again, I'm 
saying yes to others at my own expense. Yeah. Whereas with that company, it was all just taken care of. So you just go in and do what you need to and do what you get paid to because that was a paid production as well. And then you just go home. And so that was an experience that helped me devise this sort of screening questions, yeah. this list of screening questions to ask people before I sign up to a gig because I think that can really save you. Um, this is just general advice to anyone who you know, um, feels that they should have a bit of caution or warning before they just say yes to anything, particularly if it's unpaid. I think there is a huge place for things like that. I didn't do anything paid for for a good year. Um, and look, that could be just luck as well. Um, I think if you're starting out, it's a u- such a useful experience. Um, and I think... Yeah, like I said to you uh, before, Ben, if I hadn't said yes to all of those things before, most of which are unpaid, I wouldn't have upskilled and developed enough to do what I'm doing now. Uh, but I think as you, your schedule gets more full, I think you need to be very careful in what you say yes to so as to make sure that you're not unnecessarily clogging up your schedule. Because, for example, if you are working full-time like I was, and let's say you've got a paid gig that's twice a week, um, and then you have an opportunity to join a unpaid production that's going to take up another three nights, you need to think, well, would I rather use that time to... What, what's going to make me happier? Yeah. Am I going to be happier having that time free to do what I need to do for myself? Or are those three nights of rehearsals and the ultimate, well, the, the production as the final result, is that going to make me happier? I was at a stage last year when I didn't like being at home by myself because I'd just gotten out of a seven-year relationship and I didn't really know how to be alone. Um, so there was a stage when I was rehearsing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, Saturdays and Sundays. Friday night was the only night I had off and I'd usually do something social there. And looking back on that now, I can see how unhealthy that was because I just didn't want to be in my apartment by myself. So in that case, like there was a very pathological reason there for me filling up my schedule. It's only very recently in the last year where I've learned to sort of be, before I met my current partner, like be comfortable being alone and then realizing, am I saying yes to this because I actually want to do it or is it just because I don't want to be alone? (laughs) So I just wanted to add that on there as well because you need to really think about why you're saying yes to a certain thing. I mean, as an example, I I thought I'd sort of take, on the advice of one of my mentors, he sort of mentioned maybe cut, cut back on doing unpaid stuff. But then I was offered an awesome role in um, Spotlight's production of Grease, uh, which is, a, you know, it's a community theatre company, uh, but an awesome, awesome theatre company which, with a great reputation who puts on these killer shows, like really, really good. And when I was offered that, I thought, well, hang on, I've just had this little internal discussion with myself about saying yes to too many things. But I had to wait up. I was like, yes, I have to travel to the Gold Coast three times a week. I'm going to have to pretty much live in the Gold Coast for a month when they put put on their run. Um, it's unpaid, so I'm just giving up my time and it will practically leave me no free time on my schedule. So there was a lot of things that were on my side that were just, don't do it. But then, like I said, when I'm bang up the, weighing up the pros and the cons, they had, you know, like I said, it's an awesome theater company, awesome show. I never in my entire life thought that I would get to play Danny Zuko ever. And so yeah, I was like, I have to say yes to this. <laughs> and then of course, all my friends are like, of course, you said yes to another thing that you don't have time for. Yeah. And 
I've had days when I thought it was a bad idea and that I shouldn't because I feel and not so much for me I feel like I'm letting that like them down because I've had to miss rehearsals I've been so burnt out that I couldn't give it my everything um but you know it's really shaping up to be an awesome show so that show so that opens on the 10th of November very shortly so it's going to do a little plug for that <laughs> by the time this is released your show will be done <laughs> so how was the show <laughs> Uh, before we started the show, yeah. you um, you spoke to us a little bit, um, and you mentioned that you wanted to speak a little bit about something that was quite close to you. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it's, it's, it was a really interesting situation because it was weirdly close to me, but then also really distant. Uh, and it just relates back to that question you you both asked me about in terms of what advice I'd give to people who were in a similar situation to me. Um, so like everyone's situation is really different and it's really hard to know that's why I think that's why I said before you have to really talk to people that you trust and know you really well so a couple of months ago I saw in the news that someone that I was working with when I was in mental health had committed suicide and when I and and it happened very shortly after I had met them but it was only publicized this year so I felt a little bit ashamed of myself and not not knowing that not that I ever could have because she had moved from last I heard she had moved to a different city to pursue her training pathway so I was working with her as a mental health intern um, and then I, I didn't see her uh, after that because she was moving to Melbourne that's the last thing she ever said to me uh, and then I found this news article that it was about ju- the mental health of junior doctors and how it's really really poor and I was like yeah of course it's poor like I'd it's their horrible working conditions and then I saw the name of this uh, girl who was no longer alive and I was like oh my god that was her I worked with her and um, when I read the, the little transcripts of the the, the uh, what her the, there were quotes from her mum which were again quotes of what she had told her mum and it was just things like how stressed she was about being able to get into a training program not knowing what to do if she failed um, not having a backup option, um, just feeling overwhelmed by the sheer amount of things that you'd have to do to get on a training program um, and not having the time to do things, to like live your life. And I was reading that and I was like, I was there. Like I was that, I was in her shoes not long ago. And it just made me think if I didn't get out and do this, like where would I be? It was really confronting. It was really confronting to read that article. And I felt like it was a missed opportunity. Like, and, I, and I don't know when this happened exactly, but there was a part of me that just wished I could have reached out. And, and I know I probably wasn't in the right time to even talk to her about this when she was going through it because I was in the same situation. But I just, from that point on, I just wanted to make it... I like get the message out there. It's probably part of the reason I want to do this podcast of... You know, if if you're feeling like it's really hopeless and, you know, there's something else that you want to do or it's not sitting right and you feel like because you've committed to a certain pathway and you feel stuck, like it's very easy to feel stuck and I'm not invalidating that at all because I felt stuck as well. But, you know, please uh, raise it with someone and, and if there's something else you want to do, like just go and do it. That's doing that and failing is better than the alternative of feeling stuck to the point of no return you know um and so i've just been trying whenever anyone's going through that and it's happened once where 
one of my friends, a mutual friend of uh, of, our, of a friend of mine, um, he was in that situation. Uh, this was actually not too long ago, and he had was just spouting at those same red flags that this girl was talking about, and the same red flags that I was feeling at the time. And my friend referred him on to me because he said, oh, "I have this friend Matt, who's you know." he left his training program and he got this awesome job um, working in this visa clinic and his stress levels have just gone. Um, and I had I had this chat with this stranger who I'd never met before and I just said, you know, this is what it's like. This is what I recommend doing. If, you, if you're really not attached to any sort of idea of becoming a medical specialist or a GP or a surgeon or whatever, then there's no shame in... Sorry, I just hit the mic yeah. there. There's no shame in, in doing that because jobs like that one they allow you to have a life. They, you know, they allowed me to pursue a career in the performing arts. They, I've gotten one of my other friends onto a job like that who can just now, you know, she just works three days a week and gets to walk her dog every day and go out for coffee and hang out with her friends. So you don't have to have these huge aspirations to be a movie star or a theater performer like me to take that leap. You know, if you just want to get your life back, it's, there's options out there. Um, I'm speaking very exclusively about a very specific scenario in the medical world. But I guess what my experience has shown me is that there are options. So it doesn't matter what job you're doing. If you feel like you really, really don't want to be there and can't stay there, then get out. It's not as scary as it looks or sounds. And there are jobs. Yeah. Everyone keeps saying, oh, no one will hire me. There's definitely jobs out there. People are desperate. Yeah. 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 And I remember at the time, like, you know, I had friends complaining to me about really mundane, boring work. And I, I being in the, the hospital world, I was like, I'd do it. You know, if you're sitting at a desk and typing, you know, getting bloody wrist pain for like eight hours, like I'd take that if it means I can go home and go to the gym afterwards. If it means that you finish at five o'clock on the dot, like I'd do that. <laughs> so yeah, I like there might be some sacrifices that you have to make. And if I can just talk about that job briefly it's not regarded as a very sexy medical job you know you can't walk into a bar and say you know i do life-saving heart surgery every day but it means that i can you know walk out of work at five o'clock and go to the bar and go to the bar next door in the city and catch up with my mates which you know i did a lot more of last year after doing that yeah no one really talks about what they do anymore like yeah in a, in a bar talk everyone knows they have like boring jobs yeah <laughs> yeah get that out of the way that's right yeah talk about your passions yeah I I always used to say to people like you know because I've had people tell me I really want to get out of medicine but I don't I'm not talented like you I can't sing or dance or act or blah 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 but I've always said even if I couldn't do any or I didn't want to do any of that I would have still left and found a job like the one well I've done a couple now but um, probably don't have time to talk about those Um, just so it means that I could come home and go to the gym, go for a walk with the dog, hang out with my girlfriend, hang out with friends, you know, play some video games, just like do the things that you love and just live your life, you know? Um, if you're not 100% devoted to becoming a doctor, if that's not what your life's purpose is, then, you know, there are other things to do that are a lot more, uh, I guess, easier to facilitate a life around. Mm. A lot more freeing. Hmm. <laughs> Well, thank you, Matt, for coming on the show today, man. It's been um, a really good chat, really good time. And hopefully you've inspired some people to step into what they want to do with their lives. I hope so. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening in. 
head over to our Facebook or Instagram at Whom Podcast for highlights and more. See you all next week with another amazing guest.